like a lot of times people look at Tai Chi as a like recovery exercise or it's a way to dial down. It's not a way of dialing down. It's a way of learning that the more relaxed you can be, actually the more energy you can output. I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. My newest book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, is the antidote to confusing aromatherapy instructions and bad recipes. This is the book you need to undo everything you've learned on the internet. In this book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, I explore how to use essential oils safely. You can learn with me about essential oils and allergic reactions, irritations and sensitizations, phototoxicity, methods of application, types of carrier oils, how to dilute by age and health condition, the right way to ingest essential oils, contraindications for pregnancy, epilepsy, children, and more, and the aromatherapy secret everyone wants to know, the blending formula you need to finally properly calculate your own DIY recipe or blend. Essential Oil Dilution Guide is available now on Amazon. My guest today is Gabriel Shaw, who is a kinesiologist, a clinical exercise physiologist, and a performance specialist who has been teaching movement for over 10 years. He has worked in the field of kinesiology as a business owner, a clinician, a professional training coach, and Tai Chi instructor. His focus is on active rehab and functional mobility and stability, and he has a proven track record helping people reach activity goals, rehabilitating joint injuries, and improving mental health. Before becoming a kinesiologist, Gabriel worked as an emergency medical technician in both field and hospital settings. He teaches clients how to improve body mechanics to enhance both their recovery and performance, and in his sessions, he he incorporates integrative exercises, injury prevention, sports-specific conditioning, breath work, and movement education. So today we talked about Tai Chi and the principles of Tai Chi and how to have a more sustainable and meaningful movement practice. And and so many of us, I myself included, are really in this hustle and grind mode. And he, he really talks about how we can use focused awareness and integrated movement and embodiment and secular spirituality through the method of Tai Chi in order to gain full movement and awareness and function, but also flow in the body so that we can kind of shift how we approach our bodies and how we experience movement. I really pick up his brain about chi. There's such a mythical element out there to what chi is. So he he really sort of knocks that down and talks about it in a, in a real practical sense. And so my friends, Gabriel Shaw. Welcome to the show. It's so wonderful to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved with Tai Chi? Definitely. Yeah. Thanks, Cheryl. And thanks for having me on. And I've been listening to uh, this podcast and I really like some of the other uh, guests that you've had on and seems like some really good stuff. So I'm really happy to be here. I uh, have a background first in Kung Fu, which I started in Kung Fu when I was 13 years old, which is really, really good, I think, for kids and for everyone to have a physical outlet where you're learning something, where you're involved with other people, where you can get some support outside maybe your immediate circle, uh, where you can be exposed to new cultures and new ideas. And that's how it would happen as a kid. And then as a young man, I was uh, very sort of anxious uh, and rebellious young man. And through practicing Kung Fu, I got exposed to Qigong and meditation and Tai Chi. And some of my early teachers in the Kung Fu school sort of specialized more in the Qigong and the Tai Chi. And what they helped me realize was the depth of the practice and how much you can take something that seems quite simple from the outside, but you can really dig in. Mm -hmm. Just as anybody who has experience with meditation knows, it's fundamentally the same practice, but the more and more you do it, you get you go in deeper and deeper. And that has also helped me a lot with maintaining focus, maintaining focus in my life, like I said, as a young person, and funneling that energy into uh, more intentional areas. And it's also helped a lot with my own anxiety, which runs in my family, but uh, it just helps me to be able to find a sense of peace and centering when that happens. And so after sort of discovering that as a teenager, I really sort of started to dive fully into that. Uh, And then as a young man, I became an emergency medical technician 
is a way of trying to contribute to the healthcare mm-hmm. community, which I was receiving a lot of health benefits from my Tai Chi and Qigong practice. And what I realized during that um, emergency medical technician training and career early on was that the people that I was working with are not in a state where they are ready and willing to receive the type of care that they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's and so I went back to school to become a kinesiologist and exercise physiologist so that I could on one hand understand, like you with aromatherapy, the science behind the movement and mindfulness practices that I did so that could help me help people better. And it would also hopefully help me to reach people in a state where they're a little bit more ready to receive that help and where it's a little bit more preventative. And so that's what I do now. And so I teach Tai Chi and Qigong group classes and do courses online through MoveSpace and also see people one-on-one for injury prevention, injury rehabilitation, improving movement patterns and function where I combine movement science and meditation and Tai Chi. Beautiful. That is a very common experience, you know, in the acute care emergency emergency care, that environment. It's a very different mindset for sure, as far as how you're helping people. So I actually hear that a lot. Um, a lot of practitioners say it's like, okay, I need a different view of how, how I can contribute in a, a different way for people's health. So that's great. And those people, yeah. And I, and I have so much respect for those people still. I still consider mm-hmm. myself a scientist, an exercise scientist. So I love evidence-based practice. I try to bring that practical view to my Tai Chi and Qigong uh, teaching as well as my other teaching. And those people there are really heroes. They are really putting themselves last and they're taking a big sacrifice in their own physical mental health a lot of times to help people with the times when they very, very need it. And I sort of reached the end of my service. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I hear you. It, because it's, You know, it's like compassion, fatigue, burnout, whatever you want to call it. It's, you know, you can, sometimes you can only serve so long in that kind of environment. And then you have to also take care of yourself too. And so you said it exactly right with the compassion fatigue. Yeah. So I want to talk some more about Tai Chi. So we often think of Tai Chi as like gentle exercise, right? And I think it's Harvard that says that we talk about it like meditation in motion, but it's actually medication in motion. And that's what Harvard calls it. So for those who may not be familiar, can you kind of dive into uh, what Tai Chi is and how it can help our health? Yeah. Thanks for asking me that because what I find is that when I tell people I'm a Tai Chi instructor, invite them to come out to a Tai Chi class, they often have the impression that they know what Tai Chi is mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same way that you're talking about a gentle exercise. Mm-hmm. And if they do come to class, what they immediately tell me is that they had no idea that it was what we're doing. And to empathize with those folks, Tai Chi has gotten a bad rap because of how many people are out there teaching what we call a Tai Chi-like exercise, Mm -hmm. where it's really on the surface, they're only teaching movements, they're teaching memorization, they're teaching maybe the traditional form, but without any of the fundamental principles. And so I just really encourage people, if they're looking for a Tai Chi instructor, to find somebody who has a background in understanding the entire system. Mm -hmm. So I teach young family Tai Chi. My teacher is a lineage holder in, in young family Tai Chi. And it's really a system that has been built on over generations and generations of masters and practitioners who have added and helped understand and deepen. And so if somebody doesn't have that, it's very easy to teach at a very superficial level, which might be for older people or for just balance, let's say, or I mean, it's as a gentle exercise, like you said, whereas Tai Chi is actually much, much deeper. We're going to talk for a moment about medica- uh, medication and motion, like you said, but it's also important to recognize that it's so much more than just a health practice or an exercise. Mm-hmm. It's actually a mental and physical discipline. It's actually a spiritual practice. It's also a martial art and learning those martial elements helps you to understand more the fundamental principles behind the importance of the relaxing and the breathing and the other elements that people might ascribe more to health. Um, so I totally understand where people are coming from, from that. And sometimes it's just important to allow them to know that what they think of as Tai Chi isn't actually the true Tai Chi. 
Um, but Tai Chi, especially if you're, it's practiced on a deeper level, especially if we include a lot of that breath work, if we include a lot of that relaxation or what we say in Tai Chi is song, which actually means release. So it's actually more than relaxation. It's actually opening and letting go and actively using our mind to let go of resistance that's held in the body. This can help so many things. And you referenced Harvard and Harvard has a great book, which is uh, called the Harvard Medical School Guide to Tai Chi, where they talk about all the benefits that it can have in terms of strengthening your bones. It's been shown effective for osteoporosis, blood pressure, improved circulation, improved immune system health, improved cognitive function on math uh, tests, things like that. Improve balance, improve lower body strength to some degree, upper body strength as well. Uh, improve mental health in terms of better quality of sleep, in terms of anxiety. Uh, and I'm even doing a study right now at the University of Victoria looking at real-time effects of Tai Chi compared to meditation to get a more science-based understanding about how Tai Chi can perform just like meditation in terms of the mental health benefits, but then also you have those physical health benefits like you, like we were just talking about with the increased circulation, increased bone density, increased lower body strength and balance uh, and these kinds of things. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's what I'm really interested in with Tai Chi is that, is that form of the meditation with the movement. And one thing that is unfortunate to me is that our Western fitness as much as we want the science behind it, fitness is really like sort of aggressive and it's aggressive science. And it's about like, okay, you got to smash weights around and you got to burn this many calories and whatever. Right. But it's rarely looked at as a spiritual or a practice or a meditation. And that's one thing I really love about uh, traditional Chinese medicine is that it, it hasn't lost that view that each individual has energy within. So can you explain about Tai Chi in this way and sort of the philosophy around that? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a great question. and something very dear to my heart because I've always felt that our view on quote unquote fitness in the Western world is really simply an extension of the sympathetic nervous system driving aspect of the rest of our culture in terms of needing to be more mm-hmm. admiring busyness uh, grinding and, and hustling and gr- grinding hustle and a lot of times if you talk to exercise scientists they'll say they're talking about doing something high intensity for a low amount of time burning so many calories etc because people continuously say that they don't have time enough to exercise Right. And to which I say, if you make movement going to the dentist or worse, of yeah. course, no one has time to do that three days a week. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, but if you can make movement into something that is a part of your lifestyle that connects you to something bigger than yourself, even if that's simply a community or a practice, if you can create a discipline that is inherently meaningful and internally motivating besides these external motivations that we often look at for fitness, like looking a certain way or weight Mm -hmm. loss or something that's not the actual reason, then your movement practice starts to become actually a break from the high nerve system driving aspects of the rest of our culture and helps you to build some resilience about that and helps you build a little bit of calm and, um, and steadiness. So what my Tai Chi teacher says, if we want movement to change us, then we need to change the way we move. Mm. And if you're going to the gym and you're simply doing the same thing as you're doing in the rest of your life, but just at the gym, which is pushing harder, going faster, trying to be busier, not looking at yourself, not being there, but using it as an escape, then you're going to find yourself burning out very quickly, not getting the results you want, not very much enjoying it. And then it's really not going to be nourishing to yourself. You're not going to get the results that you actually want and you're going to burn out or get injured, God forbid. So there are some concepts to Tai Chi as well. And you talked about the young family tradition. Can you talk a little bit about some of the concepts within Tai Chi that talk about like yin and yang and the chi and what, you know, the, how movement influences those aspects? Definitely, definitely. So in terms of yin and yang and chi, so yin and yang are often thought of is 
sort of positive or negative in the Western culture or, or light versus dark in that sort of very Western light versus dark way. Whereas in China and traditionally in Tai Chi, yin and yang are looked at as not two halves of one whole, but both 100% of a unified whole. So in other words, you can't have 50% yin or passivity or relaxation or recovery or acceptance. You can't have 50% yang or action or leadership. You actually need 100% of both. And something that I, you know, ask any athlete if they can do 50% recovery. Right. <laughs> or if they're willing yeah. to, perf- or it doesn't make sense. Or if they're willing yeah. to perform at 50% of their best. That doesn't make sense. You don't want a doctor who is halfway recovered mm-hmm. or is performing at 50% of their capacity. A lot of times, and this is where I come to the martial art aspect, a lot of times people look at Tai Chi as a like recovery exercise or it's a way to dial down. It's not a way of dialing down. It's a way of learning that the more relaxed you can be, actually the more energy you can output, the more, the more pressure you can integrate and grow from. So it's actually about performing better in a certain way or performing more, getting more out of yourself without burning out. And the chi flow element is that yin and yang always want to be constantly flowing into each other. And I often tell my students, especially in new beginners programs, the most important part of the yin yang symbol, which is actually the symbol for tai chi, is the S curve in the middle. And because what that is symbolizing is that one is flowing into the other at all times and there is no static. So we often, especially in the West, but I think just as humans, we tend to hold on to things. And we're going to talk about that more, I think, in terms of embodiment. But we want to hold on to either the way we think something should be, or we want to hold on to the way we it is now. And we really can't. All of life is change. And so learning how to continuously flow with yin and yang and not set up resistance to the constant flow of yin and yang is really a way which we can become more in tune with nature and have a little bit less resistance and a little bit less impact on our bodies, on our minds from these changes that are naturally occurring. And so before even we move on, you might even, we might even just ask your listeners to take a full breath and see if they can just breathe in and out fully. And they may notice that sometimes there are actually jumps or stops or starts. A lot of people, when I do this with them, they are actually holding and then holding. And it can be a lot more subtle than that. But even just the practice of breathing, oftentimes the first thing somebody does in my class is I'm just saying, and when I do first sessions as well, if I'm working with kinesiology session, we'll start with breathing and simply see, okay, can you take a nice, full, relaxed breath without resisting the inhale? without holding, without resisting the exhale, without holding. And that is sort of a a symbol. It's not a symbol. It's a manifestation of this observation that we see in Tai Chi everywhere in nature of yin goes to yang, goes to yin, goes to yang. And it's a constant flow. And there is a word for that flow stopping. And that word is death. Mm. And so what we want to do is nurture life and what life is, is change. And so if we want to improve our vitality, increase our energy and nourish our life inside us and in our communities with other people, then we must become ambassadors of change. Go with the flow. Mm -hmm. As cheesy as that sounds. (laughs) So you you mentioned embodiment and... Like Tai Chi is described as an as an embodied practice. So, what what does embodiment mean, and why is it important? Yeah. So, embodiment means that your brain is in your body, and that your brain is a part of your body, and it's not separate from your body. And your body is not there simply to as a vehicle to drive around your brain. Right. 
And in fact, we know in neuroscience, there's no place, there's no one place that you can say in the brain where, okay, this is where you're, you are. This is where your consciousness is. Your consciousness is a collection of all different parts of the brain. The brain is receiving stimuli from your body every second of every day through not only the spinal cord, but the vagus nerve mm-hmm. and from your heart and from the blood that's flowing through your blood vessels. And so your, Embodiment is simply the recognition, first of all, that your brain and your body are inseparable. And that's super plain to see. Your brain is soft tissue, exactly like every other part of your body. There's no special magical aspect of it that makes it separate. It's just totally a part of your body, which means everything that's going on in your physiology is affecting your brain. And then on a deeper level, that's the first simple level is just to recognize the fact that your brain is a part of your body and your brain is a physical structure that determines a lot of your experience based on the way your brain, your body is impacting it. On a, on a little deeper level, it's really this active process of starting to become aware of our body. And if, if a listener were to just hear this and simply just close their eyes, and feel their body. And when the thoughts start to arise, instead of allowing the, the mind to refocus on those thoughts, the listener is always simply focusing on where are those thoughts correlated to feelings in the body, then that's they'd be practicing embodiment at that mm-hmm. stage. Where embodied spirituality might separate itself from some of the more modernly held views of spirituality is that a lot of disciplines do teach it as if you can simply just go into your brain and you can unwire your patterns and become more aware and expand your understanding simply from the mindful practice of watching your mind. Where an embodied spirituality realizes that maybe that is possible, but the body is just so much of an easier way to get in. It's just so much more practical because those physical sensations are with you every second of every day. They're, they're not playing the same tricks on you that your ego is playing. You don't have to do a lot of mental gymnastics. It's simply become aware of your body and then start to understand how your thinking and your physical sensations are related. Yeah. And I think, is it Descartes who brought up the whole concept of dualism to begin with that, you know, that the mind was separate from the body? Then that has created this incredible detriment to our understanding of our mental health, first of all, but also just health in general. I heard a teacher say one time that practicing Tai Chi is like opening up that portal within yourself and to connect to yourself in a deeper nature. So would you agree? And also, does that relate to balancing or the flow of yin yin and yang? Yeah. So Definitely. So any of this embodied practice is something that we were just saying about connecting mind, body, spirit. Many people talk about this and it's very easy for your listeners or for us to understand at an intellectual level. Of course, the mind, body, spirit are interrelated and we have to work with them. But embodiment is a practice. Mm -hmm. It's not about understanding anything. It's about doing something and doing it day in, day out, whenever you have a moment, using that breath or, you know, or actually taking that time out to actually practice. So, and that's where something like Tai Chi um, and other uh, embodiment practices can be helpful in that it provides a container to say, do this physical movement and while you're doing it, focus on this. Use your mind in this way and see if you can't feel this experience that's mm-hmm. that's happening in your in your body. And so one of the things that happens when you do that is where it gives you this grounding. And that grounding helps you to relax. That relaxation helps you to feel deeper what is what is happening. You have to relax to feel. You have to. So if people are numb or in pain, those are actually side effects of not feeling which are side effects of tension. Tension is simply just a word for holding on to something. You're Mm -hmm. holding on physically, you're holding on mentally or spiritually anything. And so you first learn to become aware of that and then you can ground and then you can relax and then you can start to feel and then you can move this feeling through your body. 
And when you're moving this feeling through your body, that's just what we're talking about is chi flow. You mm-hmm. simply learning how to move your feeling and your experience of your body through your body as opposed to keeping it locked up in these areas where we tend to have a lot of resistance, which can be just areas of uncomfort or there are areas where we're resisting mentally and oftentimes both. Of course, you're getting to a deeper understanding of yourself because you're feeling more embodied. The other thing that I might say is you're actually just becoming to a deeper understanding of nature. So it's not only opening yourself a portal to yourself, but you're opening up a portal to your whole outside world because you're starting to observe the patterns that are similar between you and the entire natural world. And so you can sort of become a part of that world by understanding your own nature and by understanding the nature that's around you and becoming a new better flow with that nature, like I was like I was saying earlier. I'm quickly interrupting this episode to tell you about one of my favorite essential oil brands, Mountain Rose Herbs, organic and non-GMO fair trade essential oils and herbs. So right now with the spring coming up, I start to see a lot of complaints in the lungs, the sinuses. There's usually a couple things they want to do, which is to support easy breathing and clear sinuses and support the immune system. Mountain Rose Herbs Breathe Synergy is a great tool here. So we can use it with a carrier oil, apply it to the chest, or we can use an inhaler with this blend too. I also like to combine a respiratory oil with a classic true lavender to support the immune system. Since these complaints often stay around for several weeks, it's better to be gentle and use a low dilution, which means a low amount of essential oil in more carrier oil. Mountain Rose Herbs is a brand I have personally vetted. These are clinical level oils with results. So if you wonder what to use, I recommend Mountain Rose Herbs. And right now you can get 10% off essential oils at mountainroseherbs.com with code AROMAPOD10. And now back to our episode. And do you think it teaches you a way to recognize what you're experiencing? Because sometimes we become so inattentive maybe, I don't know what the word is, that we don't even know what the what the concern is. Let me just bring up anxiety for a minute. An embo- embodied practice is when you learn to ex- figure out where you experience that in your body. Like by practicing that, you can start to recognize like, oh, my stomach is doing this. Oh, what's going on? You know, it's sort of a, well, that's partly a grounding experience too. But do you think it teaches you that? I think there are a variety of disciplines that help you to best identify your emotions, let's say, and what you're feeling. Where Tai Chi and I think a lot of embodiment, but I'll speak to Tai Chi and Qigong because that's what I know, where I think they come in is they they help us to understand that you actually oftentimes don't need to fully Mm -hmm. understand You often don't need to put a label on it. Sometimes putting a label on is helpful, but other times it can exacerbate because now we're starting to get caught up in the experience. And so simply like a meditation where you're one of the goals of meditation is to learn how temporary things are. They simply come and go. Sometimes it's helpful to simply be able to say, my stomach is feeling that. I'm having thoughts about this. Maybe you're having a label if that helps you, but a big part of the practice is two things. A big part of the practice is being okay with it not being perfect. That's a huge thing that we work on in Tai Chi. We don't hold a lot of static poses. Everything is moving, like walking, because that way every step you're you're training yourself to let go and try it again the next step. Let go, try it again the next step. You don't have to hold something perfect or get to some perfect place. You're simply just begin again, just begin again, begin again. And learning to be a little bit okay with that imperfection, I think is almost like cutting off at the knees, the mental health or, or just discomfort or whatever you're holding on, because you're just saying, it's okay. That's okay. If I'm feeling that it's okay. If I'm not perfect, it's okay. If I don't exactly know what that is, I'm going to keep practicing. And the second part about that is it allows you to sort of just say, just keep practicing. You may not notice that right now. That's okay. Continue practicing. It's not the same thing as, you know, it's not that psychology or something like that can't be helpful. Like I said, there's other practices for kind of coming around things different ways and only that uh, versus, you know, different things. But it's actually okay oftentimes to not have an immediate answer. And sometimes when we're focusing on just trying to come to an immediate answer, we are 
actually increasing the tension. We're increasing the resistance. We're holding on. We're getting in. And like I said, if you're with a li somebody licensed in that, they can help you work through that, then that's great. But that is exactly what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to work through it mm -hmm. and not be stuck in it. So sometimes it's important to simply realize, and I'm always teaching my students, move your awareness, move it. You need to move the awareness because sometimes we'll be doing a posture and you'll think, oh, my shoulder's uncomfortable, my knee's uncomfortable. And then you're staying in your mind in that. And of course, like energy is flowing where the concentration goes, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're concentrating on that area, you're just putting more energy into a stuck place. And sometimes it's better just to keep moving, just keep moving, keep moving through it, keep practicing. And so there are kind of these two things, which is one is kind of cutting it off of the knees by allowing it, the imperfection to be okay mm -hmm. and not having a label and that letting that be okay or letting your label not be perfect and that's okay. And on the other element, it allows you to keep moving through, continually moving through, try again, just do it again, start again, keep going, just keep trying, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah, I think I'm having a real just uh, clarity on that because it's just about being. Chi flowing, it's just about being. So the moment you start to focus on it and, you know, zero in on it, that's the moment it's not really flowing anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that flowing just goes back to that changing that we were just talking about a minute ago, which is all of life. You're saying being. Being is simply another way of saying in a way like living. Mm-hmm. And so if you're living or being, that means you're changing and again, not holding on or being static, which is the opposite. Yeah. Going in the flow. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. So then is that what, is that really what causes the chi to be stuck? Like being resistant to change, for example. And what does, what else does that do to the body? Because of course, in Chinese medicine, you know, qi has very specific things. But how does that, how does it affect this, this spirit? Can you get really stagnant there? Like what, what happens? That's a lot of questions. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. That brings up a couple of pieces, which I, you know, I'm hoping we got into. So I'm glad to talk about that. I think it's important for people to realize, you know, I think like you, I'm trying to bring a very practical and grounded approach to a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that gets people about aromatherapy as well as about Tai Chi and Qigong is they think it's the end all be all panacea of all these outrageous claims, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not going to say that you're holding on to things is always the cause of that stuckness or that, that holding on uh, or that, or that discomfort or anything. You know, oftentimes, we get an injury, that's a physical thing. Like that's a real thing, right? Yeah. That you got an injury, right? Yeah. So now you need to do your physiotherapy or whatever you need to do to, or you need to go get the, the doctor and get it medicated or whatever. What you don't need to do is then continue to feed that injury by continuing to treat it differently and focusing on it and holding on to it and stressing about it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, worry once, suffer twice. Right. You know, it's, it's your, your, you, you got an injury. Now we need to do, what we need to do. We don't need to layer on that by, by adding the stress on it. That's mm -hmm. actually optional. So the stuckness, I'm not going to say is always the issue. Sometimes we have a, just a real medical problem that we need to go fix. But what I will say is that stress and tension is, and uh, is a way to exacerbate every other issue that you mm -hmm. have, right? Yeah. Sometimes you have a real issue, but that's certainly exacerbated by stress and tension and holding. So on one hand, you can really speed not only your recovery, but also your learning. You're talking about learning a new discipline by letting go of that tension. What this does to our spirit is a good thing to mention because in, in traditional Chinese medicine and in Tai Chi, we talk about spirit is when we, when we say spirit, what we really mean is Shen. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to the acupuncturist you had on recently and she was mentioning Shen. And I think 
that I'll, I'm excited to be able to add a little bit of more context to that conversation in helping people understand that when we talk about Shen from a traditional Chinese medicine background or from a Tai Chi background, at least we don't really mean this spirit or this like soul or something that is sort of ethereal or, or necessarily mm-hmm. magical or outside necessarily. What we actually mean a more accurate translation than spirit might be awareness or even attitude or even mindset or heart mind. Sometimes you say like heart mind. Mm-hmm. And what, so if you can think about how is that affecting your mind, your body, your spirit? Okay. Now I had an injury on my knee. Now I'm stressing it and guarding it. So now my knee is hurting longer than it needs to, or it's stiffer than it needs to, or I'm not using it as much. So that's like the physical aspect. Mm -hmm. And now my mind is starting to stress because I'm focusing on this and I'm irritated about how it's impacting the rest of my life and things like that. And what's happening to my spirit is my spirit is getting constricted. My spirit is tensing. Your awareness can actually constrict and become smaller. And it's it's, it's, it's actually, it doesn't need to be woo-woo or, or mm-hmm. magic. It's just simply it's something that you can practice. You can just try to experience, be aware of as much as you can possibly be aware of. And it, there's meditations where you can do this longer, but you can easily just try to do that and realize you weren't aware of so many things just a moment ago. And then I asked you to just be aware and now you've opened a little right. bit of your awareness. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then if you practice, if you have a practice where you are learning how to let go, learning how to let go of resistance, learning how to let energy in your body flow, learning how to adapt with change, then that can do is it can act as sort of an antidote or a preventative to that constricting that's happening all the time. And the, you know, the whole goal is awareness because the more awareness that you have, the more options that you have. If you're not aware of your underlying emotional and mental states, then you're not going to be able to change them. You're just going to keep repeating your same mistakes. So we really want to keep our awareness open and soft and round and having an embodiment practice where we learn how to keep that energy moving, keep our awareness and keep our consciousness moving, not only through the body, but also through our surroundings and with other people, like we talked about with martial arts, then we can develop a skill of being more aware more of the time, which is really the goal of most spiritual disciplines. Yeah, exactly. I've talked to others about like Tai Chi is a branch, one of the branches of of traditional Chinese medicine. So it's one way, as we've been saying, into flow. So does it have to be, is it specific movements? Is there any, does any movement make the chi flow? And I've, I've heard it said too about, you know, like movement with, with joy can be something that you despise doing. Like we were talking about with the fitness, you know, you're just taking your life to the gym and doing the same thing there. How does that relate? If we want to move the chi, should it be an actual Tai Chi practice? That's a good, yeah, that's such a good question because number one, it allows me to say something with what I love to say, which is just a Tai Chi principle, which is yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, it's both. It's both. There are, there, any, it can be any movement. It can be any movement that follow. It doesn't need to be, you know, a lot of teachers are going to say, no, it's got to be this type of thing for your liver or this for your, okay. Maybe that's the case, but really if you just move in a variety of ways and just be creative and follow what you feel like it needs, that's a big thing too. So really it can be any movement. However, there are some principles that really need to be adhered to, and that's where going to an actual practice and really learning the actual movements can really help to help you understand what those principles are and more specifically help you become more aware of where you're not following those principles, even though you thought that you might have been. Mm -hmm. So some of those principles are we need openness. So it's got to be opening. And opening does not mean stretching necessarily. Oftentimes stretching can be the opposite if we're doing it in a tense way. Mm -hmm. Straining it. Straining, which is what a lot of people do, to be frank, when they're stretching. They're ignoring the nervous system component, which... We could talk about in a future episode. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it also doesn't mean collapsing. 
You don't want to be collapsing or constraining. You need to have a movement where you, you're allowing your body to take up a little bit more space. You're allowing your joints to open. You're expanding. And so, you know, if you take your hand and listeners can do this, if you just take your hand and you make a fist, you're going to find yourself that you can just watch your hand become white. That means no blood is there anymore. Right. And then if you let go of your hand and let it relax, you're going to, you're going to watch, you can watch that whiteness become red again. It's not magic. It's, it's, you're opening your hand. Right. And then you can do the same thing the other way. You can take your fingers out and you can make a very stiff hand to make your hand as big as you can. In that same way, you can watch that blood stop flowing in your hand. And then again, you just relax your hand a little bit and you can watch the blood return to your hand. So it's not anything magical, but it helps to have a teacher who can show you how do you do that with your whole body? How do you deal with your whole body at once? So we do want to move in a way that's opening to the body, which means not too collapsed, not too rigid. You do want to find a way that's grounding. So you want to find a way where you don't feel like you have to hold up. If you're holding up, then then you can't flow because you have to hold. You're going to feel like you're going to fall over mm-hmm. or be unsafe or something. You have to have a little bit of support, right? You have to have support to relax, right? So you have mm-hmm. to feel the support of the ground. So you do need to do it in a way where... You can sink, you can sink your body, you can feel your center, you can feel the ground. So, you know, oftentimes, a lot of times what we do at the beginning is we're working with hip movements and foot movements and helping people just become aware of their feet and using their legs and their hips properly so that they can really feel the ground under them. And once you can feel the ground under you, you can be a lot more powerful as well because now you're not only using your arms, you're using your whole body. You you, you really want to have movements that are flowing in and of themselves so a lot of people do the same thing we were talking about with the breath a moment ago even if you think about something that's traditional if you know if i compare two things which would be like weightlifting versus yoga and obviously there are different ways to do these two practices mm-hmm. that i practice both but i do it in a certain way which is not holding so if you're doing a weightlifting and you're doing a bicep curl most people hold at the bottom hold the top hold the bottom hold the top. Right. And that is not, that's not flowing. That's to be overly uh, rigid, right? Mm-hmm. And if the yoga, it's for, in the same thing for yoga, if you're holding a pose, then you're not allowing the energy to keep moving in your body. You've stopped it from moving. And what you're doing on a physical level when you stop it from moving is you are dissecting the elasticity. And the elasticity is what connects your whole body. And that's really what nourishes your fascial system. That uh, is really what helps you to relax your muscles so that you can build stronger bones. And it's going to help you generate more power. Again, like we're talking about for an athletics dance. And so we really want to do something that's uh, building elasticity. And the way you need to build elasticity is by continuing to move. Okay, you ask any scientist, uh, any mechanical engineer, elasticity is by definition something that is moving. As soon as it stops moving, it becomes plasticity, which can be okay sometimes if you're chronically one way or the other, but that's like a very specific thing. And in general, for general health, we want to keep things moving, keep things elastic. And that elasticity is going to help your energy flow because you're keeping your muscles as relaxed as possible or in other words engaging them only when you need to and not when you don't um but it's also what's going to do is also it's going to build lengthen and strengthen your tendons and ligaments Mm -hmm. and those tendons and ligaments are sort of like nodes where your bioelectricity can flow and so we really want to be strengthening tendons and ligaments in Tai Chi, but I would say in all exercise. First of all, there's a couple of things I want to say too. It's like, it's literally why in yoga you have a flow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do a flow, you know, you do a south sun salutation. It's a, it's meant to be moving. You're not stopping and, and holding anything in a flow. It's generally speaking anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but also if you're rigid, that's where you become injured as well. Right. Exactly. So then you're really not flowing. <laughs> that's right. And, and 
Uh, for people, remember, you know, I'm sure a lot of the members of your audience practice yoga and like yoga. And so what I would encourage them to do is that it doesn't have to be what I'm saying about flowing or changing. It doesn't mean that you literally have to be changing a position mm-hmm. all the time because actually going too quickly can have the same problem as well where you're not realizing you can't be aware that quick. Yeah, right. So you actually can, I'm not saying don't hold, I'm not saying don't stay in a position. I'm simply saying don't hold a position. Right. So even if you just go to your position that you like, don't go to 90 or 100%, back it off a little bit to 70 or 80% and then breathe. And that breath should have a movement through your whole body. You know, we do sitting, standing, lying down meditation in Tai Chi and Qigong, and I do it like some of my kinesiology clients as well. And one of the things I try to teach them is there is movement and stillness. There's movement and stillness, and there's stillness and movement. And that's not yin, yang, but yin, yang. Yeah, together. Yeah. One, oneness. Yeah. In yoga, that is the, as soon as you breathe into that, you're just, you're just completely opening up more rather than you're stretching and twisting and you can't do it. You're really not getting any farther ahead, really. You're just. And there is a way to like, also for your listeners, there's a way to feel like you're deep breathing all of the cells of your body out and then allow all those cells to recede. All the cells in your body are living in a soup. It's just really recognizing the reality that you're soft in fluid being and and it's something anyone who practices yoga can experiment with immediately just take a pose and try to breathe in a way where your whole body is moving in and out again without really having to move the change the pose i like that okay so just to go back to the embodiment for a minute so if embodiment is being in your body and being sort of grounded disembodiment is to be separate is that caused by stuck chi or do we become disembodied and like we're just not aware of it? Um, is it because we're stressed? Is it because we don't aren't paying attention to our chi or is it maybe all of those things and everything we've already said? I would say it's a yes and like it's both. Your disembodiment contributes to stuck chi. When we say chi, some people get really fancy about it. One of the instructors I really like is the world-famous Tai Chi and Qigong instructor. One can look up his name is Dr. Yang Zhuing Ming. One thing he says is that in the West, we say nerves. In China, they say qi. Mm-hmm. It's, all it is simply is just the connection, how you're feeling your body. So it's really just the feeling of your body. It's all qi is. And if you make it magical, you're probably not going to get it. And what we want, when we talk about moving the qi, we're moving the feeling or we're cultivating the feeling of our bodies. So not having a feeling of your body can contribute to stuckness, but also stuckness, like we talked about having injury earlier, can contribute to not having a feeling of your body as well. So they they go back and forth. Something I would say is really just culture or our life contributes to it i'm not really sure why but human beings i'm not sure i can't really tell people if it's our culture or it's simply our prefrontal cortex or our nature as humans we as we grow up we start to get stressed and we start to categorize things for ease of use and we start to feel ourselves separate from nature and we start to feel ourselves separate from each other and we start to get stressed and with that stress comes tension and holding on. And we can talk about trauma, which I think people, the same thing that trauma comes with holding on and tension and rigidity. And that just builds and builds every day. And once you get into the practice, you start to realize, man, doing Qigong or doing a little bit of just this flowing movement, like I was talking about those principles, it's almost like taking a shower. You just, you get stressed every day and there builds tension And you really need this energetic shower where you can let go of that tension daily. And that can come from, like I said, culture or perhaps maybe it's simply part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. I think what I've experienced too is disembodiment is kind of a Western thing too. Like we're so very focused on like a separation is the best way I can I can explain what I experienced. Like everything is different. Everything is a different piece. You know, I am actually outside of myself. 
separation is really the thing. Like separation is really the word or division. Everything that we're talking about and on every level, separate from yourself, the mind being separate from the body, mm-hmm. the spirit being separate from the mind and body, some things being magical, some things being physical, some things being me, some things being you, some things being nature, some things being humans, uh, some things are us, some things being them. And on every level, we want to get to a place where it's not yin and yang, but yin yang. It's not us and them, it's we, it's maybe not even self, but simply being. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, totally I, that. I think as soon as I have recognized that that was part of my education as a person and was able to kind of shift that, then embodiment just as a practice becomes so much easier as well. And yeah, it is. I And that's what I, what I, really love about what you're saying about yin and yang. It's it's that's that's flowing cycle of all things. It's not one or the other. That's and both what, at a hundred percent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think you said it beautifully there too, where you said that is part of all our education as human beings, especially anybody who's seeking. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Gabriel, for your time and for your view and perspective. It's been so wonderful to chat with you and just get a real in-depth look at Tai Chi. And for our listeners, where can we find out more about you? Thanks so much, Cheryl. Thanks a lot for having me and providing this space where we can discuss these things and get these uh, information out to the listeners. And I hope that the listeners can try some of the things we're talking about in terms of just being a little bit more flow and moving in their bodies. And that's great. Uh, if people are interested in learning a little bit more about integrated movement and Tai Chi and kinesiology, then they can come and visit us over at movespace.com. Move with the U, movespace.com. If listeners are interested in trying some Tai Chi for themselves, there is a 30-minute Tai Chi warm-up that's generally safe for everyone where they can build a little bit of that this relaxation and elasticity I was talking about at home for free. That's on movespace.com slash library along with a lot of other videos that are free resources for people. If people are interested in this philosophy and are looking for a little bit more movement tips, uh, combined with some of this philosophy, we send out a newsletter twice a month with a little tiny bite of philosophy and meditation and movement and resources to help people get a little bit more of this into their life. And they can do that just by clicking that join move space uh, right there on the homepage at movespace.com. And uh, they can feel free to uh, reach out to me uh, there on the move space website as well. If they have any questions. Beautiful. Well, we will link all that up in the show notes so they can easily find you. And thank you so much. It was so wonderful to have you. Awesome, Cheryl. Thanks again. Appreciate it. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.